Welcome in to the Corner Three. Taking you around the arc of college basketball. From the NAAC to the Pac-12, the WCC to the SWAC. We cover it all now on 93.7 The Ticket. Here is your host, Austin Orman. That's right. The Corner Three moved up an hour here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, as well as streaming worldwide on our free app for your phone. An hour of college hoops chatter coming your way as teams across the country open up their seasons, the first official day of practice. But here's what's special. Coming up after the corner three, D-P-E. That's right. The don't punt hour. That's what we're calling it. DeMornay Pearsonell in the building. He will be live starting at 7. So we hope you're here for College Hoops Talk, but if you're here for one of the, the most exciting Huskers of at least my lifetime, definitely stick around here on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. I'm Austin Norman. You hear me normally during On the Block with Strick and Austin. That's two to four weekdays right here on 93.7 The Ticket. Just got out of old school DP and J as well. Tonight's episode, we're calling it the Discourse Episode. As we as we toss this around, they're just teams we we want to talk about. They're teams we are obligated to talk about, and teams we just can't help but talk about. So if there's a college basketball team, whether it's your college basketball team, your team's rival, um, just a team you're curious about, let us know. 402-464-5685. We've got our own lists of a few teams that we're going to get through, again, being limited to an hour. We probably could go through all 350-some Division I men's basketball schools if we really wanted to, but uh, we're going to narrow it down a little bit. So just a few teams uh, that we have our eyes on. We'll give you our thoughts. It's not going to be maybe the most in-depth, but what are we curious about? Who are some guys that stand out to us? What are some of those teams that we're going to be watching this year? Again, as college basketball season really gets underway today. No, they're not playing games for another six, seven weeks or so, but first day practice is a big one. It sets the tone. It absolutely does. So to kick off this uh, discourse episode, again, 402-464-5685. Give us a team you're interested in for us to talk about or on Twitter at Austin underscore Orman. I just tweeted the link to the show. Drop a reply there if you have a team and we will get to it at some point. First team on the docket, though, as always, your Nebraska Cornhuskers. Ask Strick this at the end of the two o'clock hour. What's his biggest storyline for this Nebraska men's basketball team? If you missed it, check out the podcast for Strick's full analysis of it. But basically speaking, Strick said, Casey Tomanaga, what's his role? How does Nebraska use him? That will determine a lot for, for Strick on how the season goes. But also, Casey Tomanaga's professional prospects. That's a guy that went through the pre-draft process, got a look from some teams before ultimately deciding to make his way back to Lincoln to play another year here. Uh, Strick says he wants to see Casey run a team more. Casey played a lot off the ball, um, had it for some sets, had the ball in his hands for some sets, but wasn't really in charge of running the team. That was a Sam Hoiberg job, mostly a Sam Greasel job. Even Jamarcus Lawrence did it more than Casey Tamanaga did. So for Strick, the next step for, for Casey, if he wants to, to move on to a professional career, stateside at least, prove he can handle the rock. And that's not just assists. It's not just avoiding turnovers. It's running a team. It's leadership. It's communication. Um, we know Casey is the heart and soul of this team. His energy is absolutely infectious and contagious. That's why he's become, you know, such a, a, a fantastic figure in Nebraska athletics, in Nebraska media. 
that's a dude who has a good time playing ball. Can he channel that energy and be a spark to the rest of the team? And can he do it consistently? Guard is definitely a storyline that I'm monitoring as well. Nebraska has a lot of guards. Let's just run down the list. CJ Wilcher, six foot five. He's a junior now. If there's a leap in CJ Wilcher, I really hope it's this year. A leap in consistency shooting the basketball. Um, can can he take a step up on the defensive end? CJ's a leader on that team. I don't know if he's the most vocal guy. You know he's a hard worker. You know he's tried to get that shot going. But if he can be a consistent three and D type of guy, there's a leadership role and there's a spot on the floor for CJ Wilcher. Sam Hoiberg played his way into the hearts of Husker fans everywhere after the injuries last year. Defensive menace, you'll hear him on a Walk On Weekly tonight as well with Jeff Grace. What's Sam Hoiberg's role? Can he carve out more minutes, right? Just because he did it last year doesn't mean he's guaranteed minutes this year. Husker fans are rooting for him, you know, kind of one of their own to some degree. Let's see what Sam's got. Ramel Lloyd Jr. Landon's talked about this. The, the, the guys that sit out for a year when they get to campus under Fred Hoiberg have been good. Ramel Lloyd Jr., stage might be yours. It's going to be a competition, but having talked to Ramel, having you know, watched him a little bit, I think he's going to be up for that challenge. Then you get to your first transfer. Bryce Williams, listed as a guard on the roster. 6'7", 213 junior transfer in from Charlotte. I am all aboard the Bryce Williams train. I absolutely am. That's a guy that I think is going to be a huge piece for this team. Um, Aaron Ulis still listed on the roster. Wonder for how much longer that's going to be. Um, he did, there was some news last week that we went over, um, not officially off the team, not officially out of commission. I, I just doubt we see Aaron Ulis, uh, Jerron Coleman, uh, boogie. They get him from ball state as a late transfer, former Nebraska assistant, Michael Lewis, the head coach at ball state. Of course, Coleman, a second team, all Mac guy who has some experience playing at Missouri again, bigger type of guard at six, five two thirteen, about CJ Wilcher sized, um, but had the ball in his hands a lot more than C.J. Wilcher did. What's his shot diet? What's his role on this team? Is he a starter? Is he a, an energy buckets kind of guy off the bench? Curious to see that. Uh, Jamarcus Lawrence, what's in store for him? That's a guy that wasn't expected to play last year. Uh, if you think back, remember, Karan McPherson was the one that through preseason camp had the leg up. But then uh, the unfortunate knee injury for McPherson, who ends up transferring out of the program, uh, the injuries really brought Jamarcus Lawrence to the forefront. I would say it was a lot more up than down for Jamarcus Lawrence. Really good shooter. Had some games that he couldn't miss. Can he do that again this year? How does he look running a team? How in control is he? As my guess would be the backup one, more a secondary ball handler if he is a starter. And one more guard, that, or a couple more guards actually, keep in mind. Eli Rice, really, really impressed in Spain. That coaching staff was really happy with what they saw from Eli Rice, the true freshman coming in from IMG Academy. Played well in Spain, played well over uh, spring and summer practices when the team got together. We'll see if there's anything in store for him this fall. And Cale Jacobson, again, a Nebraska kid who made some waves in Spain. Fred Hoiberg pointed Cale Jacobson out for playing every position one through five in what I believe was Nebraska's first game over in Spain. Is there a role for Cale Jacobson off the bench? Is he a, a shorter Sam Greasel, right? Can he slide you know, anywhere one through three and be competent defensively? How does he handle the ball? Can he have the Sam Hoiberg just be in the right spot at the right time, make the right play when it's called upon sort of role? Maybe. 
We'll see. We know Kale Jacobson could absolutely fill it up, could stroke it at the high school level. We haven't really seen any of that translation. He didn't get on the court last year in, in college action, but I'm fascinated to see how that guard rotation shakes out. Wing, I think, is a little sketchy for Nebraska. Juwan Gary fully cleared. I don't know if we mentioned that on the show. Juwan Gary fully cleared for all basketball activities uh, in the middle of last week. So moving forward, he's good to go. He's an option on the wing. Maybe Bryce Williams slides up. He'll play the three, maybe the four. I think the four is a bit of a stretch, as slight as Bryce Williams is. Um, Josiah Alec, is he used as a wing? Is he used as a big? I'm fascinated to see that. Does C.J. Wiltshire slide up at all? And then finally, the, the big man rotation. Really, I think this is going to be what determines Nebraska's regular season success is how well the big men hold up in the Big Ten regular season. Rink Mass, the Bradley transfer uh, with his overseas experience playing for the Netherlands. I think he's going to be good. I really do. If he shoots 35% from three on four attempts per game, give or take, like you don't want many more than that. I think that's huge. He's going to be out on the perimeter quite a bit, but not in the same way that Derek Walker was. I don't think Rink Mast has, has the handle that Derek Walker did for a big man. I don't think he's, he's that quick. Um, he does have a bag in the low post, though, so I think we're going to see a lot of interesting uses for Rink Mast. Blaze Kata, can he stay healthy? That's the question. Been dealing with the, the ankle issues, and can he develop into a, a dominant force, right? Blaze Kata, charge taker extraordinaire is what we heard last year. That's not going to cut it. Blaze has got to swat some shots. He's got to be a force on the offensive glass as well. Don't be a gentle giant. Just go be a giant. That would be my challenge for Blaze Kata. And then you look at Matar Diop. That's a guy Rink Mast was asked about. Said, all the tools, all the skills are there for Matar Diop. If it's athletically, maybe he's a bit of a Dubio KK type defensively, just a menace swatting shots left and right with that same kind of raw ability, right? We kind of saw that from Wilhelm Breidenbach where he just got going too fast. Maybe didn't always look the most coordinated. Maybe there's some Eduardo Andre to Matar Diop, potentially. Um, another guy in Andre who's not with the program any longer. There's a lot of fascinating pieces for this Nebraska team in what's absolutely a make or break year. It has to be. They claw their way to 500. They finished 16 and 16 last season. Disappointing first round exit in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, you you get that record in conference play, but you're in a logjam of teams in that, you know, six and twelve, seven and eleven, eight and ten, nine and nine range in conference play. You end up playing day one. It's against Minnesota, who you beat twice in close games, but you can't get it done at the Big Ten tournament. A lot of questions yet to answer for Nebraska men's basketball, uh, women's basketball starting up as well. Definitely a lot of storylines to monitor, but this is where we turn the discourse national. Plenty of time to talk Huskers. But again, if you have a college basketball team that you're curious about, will they be the same? Will they be better? Will they take a step back? Is there a player that went somewhere that you're interested to see how they fit? Let us know 402-464-5685 or on Twitter at Austin underscore Orman. Give us those teams. We'll get to them next. This is the Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket. You're listening to the Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket. Back to the corner three on 937 the ticket. Here is your host, Austin Orman. That's right, we're getting into the discourse. It is that time. This is an episode we've been cooking up for a while because uh we have thoughts on teams. And this is a, a national look at college basketball. Obviously, 
when it when it's warranted, we'll talk Huskers. Um, but this is not going to be a Huskers episode anymore. This is looking nationally uh, from from one to three hundred fifty three, or however many teams it is in college basketball this year. We're going up and down the spectrum. Some some stars, some studs, some sickos. Everything in between, I'm sure, will cover it. Uh, Matt and Landon in as well here for the the hashtag discourse episode. Uh, fellas, I'm going to start us off with a team that I've been curious about for a while, but given the context of last season, I'm even more curious about. It's a West Coast team. It's St. Mary's. And what, what uh, Randy Bennett and co. are doing out there, count me in as a big Aiden Mahaney fan, what he was doing was essentially Matt Bradley light. For, for St. Mary's, uh, Matt Bradley at San Diego State. And that's my my intrigue with St. Mary's, is the San Diego State aspect. The Aztecs finally had their run, right? That's been a solid program that's been a single-digit seed plenty of times. They've dominated uh, their conference pretty well for, for most of the last you know decade plus, but could never really break through. That was a Sweet 16, maybe Elite 8 type of team. And that's where St. Mary's is. Like, it knows who it is. It knows where it is out in the West Coast Conference behind Gonzaga. But you've never seen St. Mary's make that run like San Diego State did. This also cracked me up. Last year's number 14 finisher, according to Ken Palm, was San Diego State. Last year's number 13 team, according to Ken Palm, your St. Mary's Gales. Is it time for St. Mary's to finally have that run? Have they knocked at the door long enough for this to be their year, I don't know, but I am fascinated by what Randy Bennett has going on out of St. Mary's this year and if it's their turn. Yeah, Austin, that was uh, one of the teams that I nearly selected for for a discourse team because they are fascinating. And it's it's something I've honestly thought a little bit about over the summer is just, you know, what would have happened if the bracket makers, you know, swapped out St. Mary's and San Diego State. They were both five seats, or even St. Mary's and Duke. Like, could St. Mary's have beaten Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, I mean, Miami, they probably, I don't think Indiana, I guess St. Mary's did beat Indiana by like 30 the year before, which mm-hmm. again, people forget. But <laughs> some of these teams that they've had to play in the second round, I mean, UConn last year, UCLA the year before, like they've just caught some tough breaks in that really, I don't know if they've deserved given, you know, they schedule hard. They, they play Gonzaga well, pretty well. Um, and I mean, yeah, they, they had a really good year last year that kind of gets forgotten because of, like you said, San Diego state happened. So it's, we will always have that college game day game. (laughs) I don't know if game day was there or not, but we'll always have that late night, Saturday night overtime win over Gonzaga. Um, and I'm, I haven't looked at their schedule yet, but I'm just kind of, you know, they bring a lot of people back like Aiden Mahaney. That's, that's going to be awesome. They, they only lose a couple guys. They bring in a Harvard transfer. Uh, They do play San Diego state this year. They play Uh, New Mexico. They play San Diego state. They play Davidson. They play Utah. I will say sidebar here real quick, just like in doing prep for this, being able to, you know, click on an ESPN profile, for these teams and just seeing the 2023, 24 schedule is, <laughs> is very exciting and satisfying. Like <laughs> I know that's going to waste a lot of time coming up, but, uh, but yeah, no, they have a, I mean, yeah. And then they play like half the mountain West. It looks like Boise, Boise. State, who's they're going to be good. I mean, Colorado state's always tough uh, UNLV. So yeah, I, th- I think that's a good, good pick and one that, you know, 
one of these years they're due for, I don't know if they cashed it all in with that Villanova upset in 2010. Shout out Omar Samhan. But, uh, I mean, they're, they're long overdue for another run, I think. And this could be the team. You know, it's interesting. Like, once Virginia lost to UMBC in the first round of whatever year's NCAA tournament that was, there was this big referendum that teams that play like Virginia, that have a slower tempo, that are more defense-oriented, that aren't super sexy offensively and aren't going to score a lot of points, are just doomed to not find success in the NCAA tournament. And Virginia eventually won its national championship. And then, like, San Diego State's run in the NCAA tournament last year is proof of concept that you can get to the pinnacle of college basketball by doing the little things, by having just a bunch of athletes, by playing really good defense, by excelling and defending the perimeter, doing all these little things. So, yeah, absolutely. Like, St. Mary's is a great selection because not only is that their M.O. under Randy Bennett, they bring back a lot of guys last year from a team that was really good. And I would have to agree with, I believe it was you, Austin, that said that they've kind of just run into some crappy draws in the NCAA tournament. And this is a St. Mary's team that's more than capable of making an NCAA tournament run. And it does sort of feel like they're due for it. I mean, that, that was just uh, two seasons ago that they hammered Indiana. Um, and of course that was a six 11 matchup, but, but, but even still like, I don't know. That's a good one because with sort of the uncertainty of the WCC in general, with BYU leaving and Gonzaga's constant, like, will they, won't they with a larger conference, St. Mary's is really a program to watch out there. I'll also just add one more thing that I even kind of forgot about until right now, but that in their second round game against UConn, they were only down one at halftime in that game. Yeah. Like it, mm-hmm. was a, it was a competitive game. Like they might've, I mean, there's an argument that they played UConn closer than any other team in that tournament run last year. Uh, and well, that's just another <laughs> reason to, to give them our respect, I think. Yeah, Iona also played UConn very close. Yeah, that's yeah. first half of that game as well. I think Iona might actually. I don't know if St. Mary's. Eh, no, St. Mary's was too. But I think Iona also had a lead for a good portion of the first half of that game against UConn. But neither. It was there. actually. I'm looking closer. It was. I mean, they were only down two with 14 minutes left in that one. So it was. It was really just they ran out of gas. I mean, I. I don't. I vaguely that was going on around the same time that like Marquette, Michigan State was. So it's kind of like I was going to watch that instead of uh, UConn St. Mary's that day. So it was kind of forgotten, but yeah, respect to the Gales. All right, Matt, get us going. Discourse team number one. All right, I think uh, I think we kind of have to start. I we talked about them a little last week, but but Memphis is just an absolutely fascinating program right now. Uh, let's start at the top. You know, big picture. Penny comes in wanting all the smoke. And then year one was kind of a wash. They bring in James Wiseman. He plays two games and then is out or just decides to sit out the rest of the year. So they're super hyped up, you know, 2019, 20 class was probably going to miss the NCAA tournament before it got canceled. Then 2021, they go and win the NIT, if I remember correctly. And then, you know, respectable game against uh, Gonzaga and the, in the second round in 2022. And then last year, the the famous water bottle Chuck after <laughs> just completely blowing that FAU first round game, one of the more nuts finishes of the year. Uh, truly just like respect to Penny and that they're, 
they changed their identity over the years from, you know, we're going to be this flashy team that has all of the, the hot shot incoming, like five-star freshmen, you know, Monty Bates, James Wiseman, uh, Jalen Duran. And then, you know, last year they just got old and were a miserable team to play. Like another thing, like that last game before the selection show, they absolutely blew out Houston in the AAC championship game, you know, ended Houston's time there on quite a sour note. And I mean, they were a hot team at the end of last year. Besides, I think it was Jamal shed for Houston was the one that hit that just mm-hmm. cold blooded dagger at the FedEx forum, which, which ruled by the way, another fun memory from last year, but then this up this off season, just weird situation with them. You know, they, kind of get rid of nearly their entire team either graduated or transferred uh i mean it's i think 12 to 13 people left the program uh they bring in you know four recruits one of them is mikey williams probably not going to play he's in a lot of legal trouble right now he was the most hyped uh i don't follow the mixtape culture that closely but i think he was you know <laughs> he had famous one. in that result yeah uh, yeah he I think he was overtime elite too, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's correct. Okay. So then, yeah, they had, you know, three other four stars, another one of another Hardaway child joins the team. And then they bring in, you know, nine transfers, including, you know, Caleb Mills, Javon Quinterly, uh, and just uh, Jordan Brown, who was really good at Louisiana. So they got some, uh, some depth up front. So they just got really old and, then they bring in, you know, all these different freshmen. And then on the coaching staff, they bring in Rick Stansberry. Ricky Stans! <laughs> so Stansbury with the – they sub out Frank Haith, who I completely didn't know was on their staff last year until – Wow. Year, for Rick Stansbury. That's uh, that's kind of like the Taylor Martinez, Adrian Martinez <laughs> Spider-Man meme this weekend. Where it's like, yep, that's the same person. Uh, and they also bring in, apparently Stansbury has a son or relative of some sorts, Noah Stansbury. He's walking on, transferred from Western Kentucky. So it's just, there's never a boring season in Memphis. And this year, you know, all these freshmen and all these just, you know, guys with like mortgages and families like in their <laughs> late 20s are, are on this team. It's, it's going to be a fascinating team. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of out on Caleb Mills. He's the new Seth Towns to me. Like, I thought he was okay. going to take Florida State to that next level. Maybe there's just more going on at Florida State than we know about, but I thought he was a missing piece for them. Very clearly, he wasn't. So I, I'm higher on Quinterly than I am on Mills. It's interesting. Memphis returns just 14.9% of its minutes from last season. That is... <laughs> As, as, as Austin mentioned, there are a lot of Division I college basketball teams. That is, I mean, I can't count quickly, but it's you're looking at Memphis in like the 335 range for like no continuity there. But yeah, I mean, the identity is funny how it's changed. They've become a little hard-nosed and it's because they're older, but they've got a lot of, they've got a bit of an edge to them. At least they did last year. All three of those games against Houston were like appointment television and it was really impressive to see that, you know, Penny team really grit and grind and play with a bit of a, a mean streak in that nasty edge. All three of those games went down to the wire and they were fun. It kind of shows that there might be a bit of an, you know, identity change in, in Memphis a little bit. So I'm very interested to see how they do this here for sure. 
Also, we forget Penny has a three-game ban to start the year from the James Wiseman situation. So uh, that's just now happening. Games. He'll be missing Jackson State, Missouri, and Alabama State. So Missouri, that's a pretty big game. So, uh, but again, I just want to give props to Penny for you know adjusting and not you know set in his ways. Like he adjusted to you know make Memphis a respectable program after you know kind of being the laughing stock for a few years there. Absolutely. Landon, discourse us. Who you got? Excellent. Well, I know we are a little bit limited on time. So if I may, I'd like to run through a couple of sickos quick. Okay. Number one, shout out um, to Lemoyne, who is the only school that's transitioning up from Division Two to Division One this year. Their mascot's the Dolphins. It's a college in New York. Kind of cool. Um <laughs> they're also in the horrible NEC, which might lead oh. to them having some success this year at the <laughs> division one level. So that's one to look out for. Kind of interesting that after a couple seasons where we've had, it felt like a, at least a solid handful of teams make the jump. There's only one this year. Uh, it also warms my heart to no longer see the Mississippi Valley state Delta devils at the complete bottom of preseason projections as with Chicago state, who is a little bit higher. Who's trying well. to get football. They're trying to get FCS football, different <laughs> episode, different time. <laughs> Um, and then the two power conference teams I really wanted to go into a little bit further detail on, but didn't were Stanford and Florida for various reasons. I'm curious how their respective seasons go Stanford their uh, the, the Jared Haas era has kind of been awful, uh, to put it lightly, but they've got a really experienced returning crew this year. They got Jared Bynum from Providence, the transfer mm-hmm. portal, which that's like the, I didn't know he went there transfer of the off season. It feels like what a, what a transition from going from Providence uh, to playing at Stanford. And then kind of the same thing with Florida kind of curious what the post Colin Castleton era looks like for them. They've got a couple of young guards coming back, but I really like what they did in the transfer portal, getting uh, Samuel from Seton hall. And then of course my guy Zion Poland. but the first team I wanted to go into a little bit further detail on is a common theme along all of mine, which are Nebraska opponents. And that's Duquesne. Um, so Dukes. Duquesne is currently, Currently the highest rated team, according to Bart Torvik in the A-10, they're 57th. They're ahead of teams like uh, Rutgers, 59th, Michigan, 62nd, Minnesota, and Penn State um, on the preseason 2024 forecast per Bart Torvik. Um, You'd be forgiven for questioning why Duquesne, which is a program that has not made the NCAA tournament since 1977, is being (laughs) thought of so highly entering... um, yeah, entering the 2023 season. They have one of the longest droughts in the history of college basketball, um, and they find themselves in the company of all these Power Six teams. Uh, it's interesting to look at. You know, They're coached by Keith Dambrot, who was LeBron James's high school coach, coached at Akron for a while. That was sort of his claim to fame. Uh, last season, Duquesne had a really promising year. They went 20-13. and 13. They're looking to win 20 games for back-to-back years for the second time. Um since the 70s so they did it once in the 70s they're looking to do it again um i am really interested to see whether or not like this preseason expectation matches up to how things actually go on the court it's kind of rare to see a team like duquesne being thought of at least in predictive metrics so highly before a season starts they've got two returning guards jimmy clark and day day grant day day grant's more of a scorer Clark's a defense first guy, but can also fill it up a little bit, but they did some work in the portal. And that's what I kind of mainly wanted to hit on. They brought in the drama twins, uh, formerly of St. Peter's fame, uh, Fusini and Hassan. They were both at LaSalle last year. Um, but those are two like really experienced pickups. They also got Andre Sarasov, who I admittedly watched way too much of at Georgia Southern <laughs> last year, but he's a multi-level scorer and a really talented player. Um, 
And they also get brought in a guy from NC State who I admittedly hadn't heard of before doing prep for this named Dusan Mahorchich. Um, he was their big guy last year. He played for a hot second and then uh, I believe injuries um, kind of derailed his season last year. But I, I, I pulled a quote from Busting Brackets and said, if you're Duquesne with so many seniors on this roster, this is an all-in move you make to win the A-10 tournament and get back to the NCAA tournament. And we talked about earlier in the summer how the A-10 is a conference that like we're sort of expecting to get back on track. And with a lot of fun storylines in there, I'm kind of wondering whether or not Duquesne can live up to that hype and be like the fun mid-major team of this year, or whether or not the the preseason expectation is something that ultimately doesn't get lived up to. But the A-10, you know, not necessarily last year so much, but Richmond a couple seasons ago was a very fun NCAA tournament participant. So, you know, why not Duquesne? Uh, you know, it always takes me back when you see an A-10, A-10 team ranked that highly. Um, they're the number one team in the A-10 preseason per Bart Torvik. I know other outlets like the Almanac have them in fourth, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm really curious to see what what this year looks like for Keith Dambron, whether or not Duquesne can break this like 46-year NCAA tournament drought. People think they might. Really interesting non-conference schedule. They play College of Charleston, who was a lot of fun last year. Princeton, who gave Arizona everything it could handle and more in the NCAA tournament. Um, Nebraska, they... Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Beat them. Not, yeah. Everything they Missouri can handle and more. And Missouri. Yeah. Um, Cal Irvine, the Anteaters. I think that's a really fascinating game. Marshall, St. Peter's. And they do play the journalist haters. They play Bradley. Last year's uh, Missouri Valley regular season champ. So that's a that's a, not a bad non-conference slate for Duquesne to put a resume together with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of was hoping to see more of a, you know, high major flair to it, but a lot of those non-con matchups are going to play well in the net, I'm sure. Uh, and yeah, it is kind of wild, you know, Marshall, St. Peter's, Bradley, like all of those teams have like had some sort of big upset in, you know, recent-ish NCAA tournaments. So kind of fascinated on them. I also wanted to quick also mention, good call on Stanford there. They're also bringing in uh, Andre Stoyakovich. Uh, hey, ha. Hey, ha. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. And then Florida, yeah, that's another one that I almost went with because, yeah, I have no idea what to expect from them. They've got, I think, the youngest coach in the SEC there, um, Todd Golden. And then, yeah, they turned over a lot of players. And, again, they really are leaning into the transfers. And it's just hard to tell, you know, how that's going to gel together. So that's that's a, a hard to set expectations for them. They're 15th preseason on Bart Torvik. That's, I mean, for me, that's crazy. They're ranked number 15. That's why, like, I, I did, I used the, this website for a lot of my my digging. And, I mean, that just took me back. I, I, I'm i kind of flummoxed by that a little bit, to be completely honest. And, and I feel like Florida, they just don't have any sort of, maybe it'll change, but it's like last year they didn't. And I, it's hard to tell, like, what type of identity they'll even have. So I'll... I mean, we'll see how it develops, but I, I have my doubts until that thing actually starts taking off. Yeah, for sure. Okay, do you guys want my big... We probably have time for one more each, so pick your best one. Do you guys want my Big 12 or my Big 10 team? Big 12. We'll do more Big 10 talk later. Okay, Big 12 team was in the news today, so you might know where this one's heading. I'm going to the Little Apple. I'm going to Manhattan and I'm going with Kansas State. Jerome Tang just today signed a contract extension through the uh, 2029 
2030 season. It'll be worth $3 million a year. So some other coaches in that range you have. Todd Golden at Florida. Uh, Fran McCaffrey making three mil at Iowa. Um, Josh Pastner and Mark Adams before they were let go in that three million range. Chris Holtman, a hair over. Kermit Davis at Ole Miss. Kelvin Sampson, Mike Woodson, Porter Moser, Matt Painter. That's the kind of money that Jerome Tang is getting now. Kansas State, obviously there's a a prove-it element to this season, making the run they did with the team they did in year one under a coach. I'm always going to be curious about that. Um, I think there's a prove-it element too, because is Kansas State a football school or a basketball school with what Chris Kleiman's doing? Um, so Jerome Tang needs needs to carve out a niche. And then when you actually look on the court, when you look at their roster, two just fascinating transfers. Tyler Perry from North Texas. Sorry, Landon, should have given you a trigger warning before that one. Um, but the other one is Arthur Kaluma from Creighton transfers down there. So you, you know what uh, Marquise Knoll and Keontae Johnson did last year. Are Tyler Perry and Art Kaluma the next Noel Johnson duo? Fascinated to see how Kansas State fares in the new look Big 12. Austin, I wrote, so I think we might have the same Big 12 and Big 10 teams, first of all. Okay. <laughs> I also had Kansas State down, and I wrote to a T, Tang will hope that Tyler Perry and Arthur Kaluma can recreate some of the magic last year that Marquise Noel and Deontay Johnson brought about. Um, Let's so, go. I mean, I just had to, like take a step back and, and cover my mouth there for a second. <laughs> that, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> I also, I also had Kansas State down, which is a funny little coincidence because, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that this is necessarily a prove year because I think Jerome Tang has earned himself a great bit of goodwill mm-hmm. just because of the season he had. But I mean, you could tell right away that something was different. I went to a game in the Octagon of Doom last season. I went and watched my beloved Oklahoma State Cowboys have their dreams crushed um but you can see how much jerome tang has endeared himself to the university and endeared himself to the student section and it's a great program um i they do bring back a couple of key role pieces from that team i wanted to hit on too i really like naquan tomlin a lot um i don't know how much of a new york city flair this team's this season's roster has as opposed to last year but naquan tomlin is a new york city guy (laughs) um he's a he's bigger he's 610 but he can kind of do a lot of different things. He's not traditional back to the basket big. Um, so I I would say really look out for him. With a good season, I feel like he might even be able to put himself on uh, NBA draft radars because he's got a unique sort of skill set for being a six foot ten guy. Yeah, I'm also a little bit skeptical of Kansas State. One other uh, – I'll get into that in a minute. But one other player I kind of have my eye on for them is Quez Glover, who – you know, had a couple good seasons at Sanford, but he was a pretty high, if I remember correctly, he was a pretty highly rated recruit coming in to Florida for Mike White. So he could be, you know, another, I don't know how big of a role he's going to play on this team, but yeah, I just, I don't know what to expect with Kansas State and with just how loaded the Big 12 is this upcoming year. I mean, I think they could be good again like a year from now, but this almost feels like a rebuilding year for them. If uh, if Tyler Perry does, I don't think he's going to be – like I think he's going to be a really good point guard, but I don't think he's going to be Marquise Noel 2.0. And same with Kaluma. I don't – I mean, he's good if the dudes around him are good. Like he's a talented player, but I'm just not sure that that's another, you know, top 25, top 15 team, so – I honestly, especially with all the other talent in that conference, like they could find themselves 
at the bottom of the totem pole this year before, you know, getting better next year. Landon, I'm sorry for stealing team number two from you. Uh, Matt, team number two from you for the discourse. Okay, I'm going to make this quick and disgusting. So, <laughs> um, my I had a few other teams I was kind of looking at, like uh, St. John's, probably of worth course. a whole other segment. Uh, North Carolina, definitely worth a whole other segment. Virginia, Arizona, Colorado could be just as fun in basketball as they are in football. Uh, but I'm going to go... Just the outright sickos route, and let's talk about UW Green Bay. <laughs> yes, let's go, go Pack, go. Very, uh, very consistent team last year. They were 359th in offensive efficiency and 359th in defensive efficiency. <laughs> uh, last year, they were coached by Will Ryan, son of Bo. Bo Ryan. Yep. And they went three and twenty nine, and he resigned late in the year. Uh, Without a doubt, honestly, I'd argue they were one of the worst teams in uh, college basketball last year. And last year, after that, they kind of cleaned house again. They brought in this new coach. His name is Sundance or Sonny Wicks. Uh, definitely, he looks kind of like a clone of John Gross. And I mean that. Oh, my. Way, the former Illinois coach. Uh, so, and then they have... I mean, it's it's also a team that I keep an eye on just, you know, being up in Wisconsin. They have a lot of, you know, local flavor. Amari Jenkins uh, was a guy I used to cover when he was in high school here in, in Racine, ever seen case. And then they bring in five transfers, uh, a couple of them good, like, uh, you know, Foster Wonders came from Southern Illinois, uh, Preston Rudinger from, from Valparaiso. And then they had six freshmen. So all in all, new staff completely uh redid team and only three guys returning from that team just kind of fascinated to see you know are they gonna finally uh get out of the cellar because last year they were terrible and i just remember there was a lot of like they played several just random like they played a monday morning game against iupui and another discourse team eventually yeah so i thought they they're a team that i just wanted to mention Landon, is IUPUI your sickos team of the year? Uh, they should be. Um, if they should be, if they're not, I really want to. I really want to talk about Wisconsin at some point too. I feel like we got two minutes. Lay it on us real quick. You know, I, I feel like that's probably going to be a, a large, another larger discussion for another time. But let's I feel do like, that another time. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I would. I would tend to agree. That sort of kind of ends things for me. I would just like to pass along BMI is projected to be the number 362 uh, in college basketball this year. So if you're looking for really bad teams, VMI uh, among the worst, um, I will go quick. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with Northwestern this year. Mm. Um, they're not a lot of people are talking about them in the Big Ten, but they bring back a really, I mean, Boo Booey has been there forever, yeah. literally, quite literally forever. Um, but him and Ty Berry make up a pretty intriguing guard core. Matthew Nicholson is back. That's another guy um, down low that feels like that's also been at Northwestern forever. I feel like not a lot of people are talking about the Wildcats. They had a pretty good year for themselves last year. They made the tournament. They played UCLA pretty well in the second round. But I'm curious whether or not like that's just the ceiling with this crew or whether or not Chris Collins is going to be able to take that group not only to another level in the Big Ten, but to another level nationally. And, and you know, Northwestern's been a team that's kind of been on the back of my mind for a while, but I feel like they're definitely worth a mention here. So I would, I'm would i going to go with Northwestern. 
Collins is a cycle guy. Like, they'll be good once every three, four, maybe five years if it takes a while. They never really bottomed out under him. They've always just been mediocre. But then he keeps those teams together, and you get the you know the first appearance and the first win in school history. Then you have last year, where they win, and then they play UCLA pretty tight. So I'm a little down on Northwestern. I think Adige, what he did defensively, was a lot more important for them than I think people realize. So I, I think that's the reason I would say they take a step back, but definitely interesting. They they absolutely have my attention again. And yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Landon, in that just, yeah, it feels like no one's really talking about them. And it's, I mean, they've got a couple transfers and maybe some of these freshmen play too. But, I mean, maybe those guys plug in and work and they, they don't drop off. I think compared to, you know, 2018, I think this team has a much better chance of, you know, not dropping off the face of a cliff like they did uh, in 2018 after the 2017 season. So it's a good call. I kind of forgot Boo Boo. He's still at Northwestern. And uh, honestly, the Ken Palm ratings are going to be coming out sometime in the next month. And I'm fascinated to see where he has Northwestern for, uh, for this upcoming season. They're 36th on Bart Torvik for what it's worth. Really? That seems high. Yeah, it does. Very much so. We'll wait and see. Definitely a full Big Ten episode coming at some point. Plenty of teams we'll want to talk about. They're Matt and Landon. I'm Austin. This is the Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket. We'll wrap things up, get you all set for the Don't Pun Hour right here next on 93.7 The Ticket. You're listening to the Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket. Back to the Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket. Here is your host, Austin Orman. Just a couple minutes or so left here on the corner. 3.93.7, the ticket, the ticketfm.com. Streaming worldwide, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. Also be up uh, on a podcast for you if you missed any of the, the hashtag discourse, as we called this episode. Like I said, we're definitely going to have a Big Ten episode at some point because there's a lot of fascinating teams in the conference. The the team that I didn't get to from the Big Ten for my, my discourse team to watch is Ohio State. Ohio State, very high on my list, a team that finished a few games under 500 last year, 5-15 and 15 in Big Ten play. It was a mess. They fell apart, especially uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They bring in a lot of talent, though, um, out of the portal, return a couple key pieces and a couple good recruits as well. Two other Big Ten teams that I will tell you to, to keep your eye out for are Maryland and Michigan. Keep your eye out for them in, in different ways. Maryland brings back an intriguing trio of uh, Jameer Young, Julian Reese, and Dante Scott. They had Jordan Geronimo from Indiana. Uh, what does Kevin Willard do in year two over there in Michigan? Obviously, we send our, our best wishes out to Jawan Howard. Uh, recovering from heart surgery, that was a couple weeks ago, so he's uh, still on the mend. Phil Martelli is, is in and handling interim duties right now as they start fall practice, so uh, best of luck to Jawan Howard and his recovery. Looking at the roster, though, again, couple curious pieces back in Doug McDaniel. You have Jace Howard back. Jet Howard leaves. Interesting transfer class. Uh, Olivier Namkua, my my sworn enemy from the, the second round game between Duke and Tennessee last year, as well as Namari Burnett. That's a name of a guy that's been around. How does Michigan respond to the Caleb Love situation? He's not there. He ends up at Arizona. So yeah, the Buckeyes, the Terrapins, and the Wolverines are the Big Ten teams that I will be uh, getting ready to talk about here soon on the Corner 3. 
Thanks for tuning in with us for the last hour or so. Big thanks to Matt and Landon for stopping by, providing some hashtag discourse as well. Don't go anywhere. DeMorne Pearson L is in the house. I got eyes on him. He is here. The Don't Pun Hour comes your way next year on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com.